Welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. At Keystone, we believe exceptional organizations don't just happen. They are built by focused leaders that recognize their authentic leadership superpowers. Join us for a serious dose of inspiration. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. We are so happy that you're here with us today listening. I'm Chelsea Paulson, the Chief Strategy Officer here at Keystone Group International, and I know that you're going to love our conversation with my friend today, Sherry Erdman, who is a president at Real Precision Manufacturing. I've known Sherry for years through the ESOP Association, as my previous organization and Sherry's organization are ESOPs, and so we've sat in on many HR roundtables together. Uh, Sherry, has a really great story to tell, a really great transition of of growth, uh, leadership development, (laughs) responsibilities, the whole thing. So I think it's going to be a really fun um, conversation today, and I'm looking looking forward to it. So thank you for joining us, Sherry. Thanks for asking me. So my very first question is, as always, what's your story? How did you get to where you're at? (laughs) Going back as far as you want. Yeah. What's your story? How did you get to where you're at? To start out with, you know, I... I went to college like most people. I grew up in Minnesota. I've lived here all my life and met my husband at college. And even in college, I I didn't know exactly what I wanted to be when I grew up. I did about three years at the university and finished a two-year degree and never did even finish a four-year because I wasn't certain about what I really wanted to do. So I got married at 22, had had three kids pretty quickly. I ended up in a purchasing manager role um, at a manufacturing company. I live in the small town of Rush City, Minnesota. My husband teaches there. And so that's what, that's how we landed in uh, Rush City, but uh, ended up in a purchasing manager role um, at a small, very small manufacturing company. I had never even thought of manufacturing um, when I was in college. I don't think I had ever toured a manufacturing company <laughs> or even thought of all the various positions within manufacturing, but somehow I ended up there, right? Um, and uh, the company, uh, I worked there for about nine years. The company got sold and Uh, A colleague um, worked at a great company named Royale Precision Manufacturing, and that's where I am today. I've been here for almost 20 years now. I didn't know much about the company. I came into Royale under a contract, independent contract agreement, uh, initially to do some help after the company I was at that was sold. And anyway, I worked myself around in manufacturing at Royale in various positions until I was actually hired. Anyway, it was a great learning experience for me. One of the things that I am passionate about is learning. And if I get bored, it's not a pretty thing. Um, I usually have to figure out either I'm moving on to something else or I'm trying to figure out the next thing I can do to improve or learn something else. So I did not have any goal to be, um, to have a positional title. I just, my career took me where it took me and opportunities came because I think of my desire to learn and grow, but I certainly never dreamt I would be president one day. So that was never a goal. I probably would have laughed at somebody 20 years ago had they told me that, oh, you're going to be um, a few years ago, I was vice president of human resources at Royale and I was traveling all over the world. And I'm like, I would have never dreamed that I would have had that role, let alone president. So never part of, I wasn't a ladder climber. From my perspective, I was just somebody working hard and trying to help a company and work together with my colleagues. And I always had a curiosity 
about how to make things better. And in manufacturing, that is like, there's always opportunity to make things better and improve things in manufacturing. So it was a, I guess, a good spot for me. Other than that, you know, I, I think one of the key things that helped me in my success and in my career is, first of all, I, I was working at a company that believed in the growth and development of people, mm-hmm. and it's a central core purpose of the company. It was a great fit from that perspective uh, for me to grow and develop myself. Well, during the 20 years I was at Royale, I did get my four-year degree in business, and then I went on to get my MBA. <laughs> it's been a busy 20 years. <laughs> no kidding. So what were the, I think it's very interesting, you go from HR to president, yeah, which yeah. you and I have talked about this. That doesn't happen. Yeah. I don't. I don't know of many, if any other people who've gone from HR leader to the president role. So help me understand what were some of the positions, kind of key positions that led you through your path? Okay, great question. When I first came into uh, Rayel, I was, I I worked for the summer in the finance department. Mm -hmm. I was helping out for a mom that wanted to work from home that just wanted to stay at home with her kids. And from there, I transitioned into customer service because we had a long-term illness. So I was still under an independent contractor agreement. And then one of our divisions, it was our spring technology division, which was at a different location in St. Paul. An opportunity came up to do purchasing um, of all raw material, supplies, and so forth at that location. I took that opportunity and it was a smaller manufacturing location just doing our spring technology division. And I really got to learn a ton there about manufacturing because we were so small that if I had downtime, I could go to other parts of the organization to help understand where we could improve on manufacturing. From there, our CEO at the time, not the CEO today, but he came and saw me and asked if I'd be interested in the executive administrative assistant Mm. role. My attitude, I didn't even know, I didn't even really know the CEO. I didn't know much about what an exec admin was really all about, but I thought, okay, it's another opportunity. I'm going to learn things. I took it. And then I was back at the corporate office and in the exec admin role. And then from there, I started... I was getting the exec team, our president and CEO was getting asked a lot, what do you want to do? What do you, you know, you could go so many different directions yeah. in your career. And I ended up focusing a lot more on the people side. The HR piece just mm-hmm. came really naturally to me. But when I started into my, my education, I really, I thought about getting more of a, you know, um, an HR type four-year degree, but I, my gut said not to do that. I didn't want to, I didn't want to pigeonhole myself mm-hmm. into one one area of the business, I knew that I knew how I was wired. And I thought, I don't know for sure if I'm going to be an HR my whole career, because I like, I love sales. I love business in general. I love operations and manufacturing and all the, you know, trying to improve efficiencies and, and so forth. So I, I specifically went business for that purpose, um, not knowing where my career was going to take me during that time period of getting my degree are at that time I was kind of a half HR and half exec administrator within our executive team and our board of directors and our our current director of HR left and I got then promoted into that that role so I'd finished my degree and then I was I led HR for I don't know 10 12 years something like that so at least so and then you know, our CEO has been, um, current CEO is Kyle Smith, um, just phenomenal leader at Rail. I think best leader I've ever worked under. 
And he was always so great about providing opportunities to grow and learn. And in the last year, I was told that I want you to be my successor as CEO here at Rayal. And he told me about his transition plan. He's got a two-year transition plan um, to retire. And I had many a conversation with the board and as well as with him. But, you know, it was really not an easy decision. I really had to wrestle with it for probably six months of of what it meant for me and my family and my kids. And because for me, number one is my family. And I just became a grandma. Oh, congratulations. So yeah, so so there was a lot of, I I didn't want, it's a big deal. It's a lot of responsibility and I didn't take it lightly. Lots of seeking inspiration from others and um, and just really praying about it. But this fall, I, I don't know, just like a piece came over me about yeah. that. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to take this. I'm, I'm supposed to do this. Well, it's so interesting because so many times, you know, I hear people say, we don't make logical decisions. We make emotional decisions. Mm, yeah. And I think that's what you're saying. Like it just, it felt right yeah. at that time. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily make sense logically, but right. it just, it felt like this was the right thing to do. Yeah. And yeah. You, you talk about Kyle being such a great leader. How do you define leadership? What would, I'm just curious as what would your definition of leadership be? I think a great leader really liberates others and empowers them um, to do great work. And I think it's all about fighting for the highest possible good of others and learning how to properly support and challenge your team members, right? And not easy, but I think empowerment and allowing people to grow and develop and mm-hmm. into great leaders that can do great things. That's what a, a leader is all about. Well, and I think it's really key that you said both support and challenge. Yes. Right. It's not, yeah. I know that you follow the sort of leadership philosophy yes, absolutely. at Real. And, yeah. you know, that's, we did also at North Country when I was at North Country and I did all the training on it. And, I always want to make sure that people understood it isn't just like this soft side of leadership, no, like this no. cushy, soft, like, oh, I care about you and yeah. love you and want to help you. It's also, I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to right. challenge you. I'm going to push you. Like Absolutely. that is the servant leadership mentality. And yeah. so I love that you have both sides of that because yeah. I think that is so important. And yeah, I really think, you know, I have one thing I've learned too is accountability, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody needs accountability. But, yes. And also, I think some people think accountability is a bad word. Right. And it's actually a really good word. Yes. I mean, there's the accountability side of, you know, you screwed up or we got to do things better. But there's also the accountability side of you hit your goals and right. you, you're doing great things. And I mean, we're accountable from all aspects of our yeah. work. So it's, yeah. a, it's a good thing. It's healthy. Well, and I found too that high performers like to have some metrics or some accountabilities yes. because they want to know what are my expectations because mm-hmm. I want to hit those yes. or far exceed those. Yeah. So I think their high performers are always more open to that yes. than low performers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that's, that's interesting. Has there been a leadership moment that has kind of shaped you or shaped your career, shaped your journey? I thought about that. I don't know if there was actually a moment, mm-hmm. but I think it's um, a lot of experiences that you've had that and learning from mm-hmm. other great leaders as you've as you've developed over time to understand, like, you know, what is the kind of leader I want to be? Yeah. And you you go back to what your experiences have been. But to me, what shaped me is I've, I've watched great leaders take blame 
you know, when they are at blame, you know, it's like, we all make mistakes, even, even the CEO, even the president, yeah. even, you know, we all make mistakes. And, and it's, it's a healthy thing for, I think, the other people in the company to be able to see that you're human too, and you do make mistakes, and you're gonna, you own it, and you don't place blame where blame isn't due, right? And, um, but you move on from it. You own it and you move on. And it it allows and helps everybody else to own when they make errors too. Yes. Because I'm owning my own errors. You know, and there's this, you know, humbleness is huge. Um, I think it's one of the key uh, leadership traits that I look for that I think people want to work for is somebody that's humble versus egotistical. And they're the people you want on your team because yeah. you can easily collaborate together with and and it's about winning together. And for, to me, that's huge. Like even, you know, my whole career, I, I don't want to do anything alone. I want to win together with a team. I don't want to, I don't want to, it's not about me. It's mm -hmm. about all of us. And it's about all of us winning together because that's what's exciting. Yep. It's a we mentality. It's a we, not yeah. A mentality. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. If it yeah. was, if it was just me, I would not be interested. No, <laughs> right? That's boring, right? That is yeah. not exciting. That's not, not exciting. fun. Who are you going to celebrate with when you win, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Look what I just did. Okay, yeah. that's just, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I think that's really important too to think through is that it's a series of experiences, a series of memories, a series of yeah. situations that really shape you and build your leadership. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of what you're saying there. So I, I respect that. I think that's really great. Um, have there been any lessons learned over your leadership career? Things like, oh, I shouldn't do that again. Or yes, that was great. Or any, any yeah. lessons learned over the years? I don't, I don't recall, you know, major moments of huge lessons, but small lessons of always trying to crispen and sharpen the sword of mm. who you are, how you lead. But one is always listening. I mean, oh. I think I feel at times like I'm a good listener. And then a lot of times I think, gosh, I don't, you know, it's, I, so it's something hard. to always be improving. Yes. And I've, if you've, if you've ever met an insanely great listener, you just are like, wow, you feel you know, it, you feel it, right? Yes. Those listening, leading with integrity, those types of things are, are super important. The other thing that I have learned to focus on in my life is balance. I mean, there's so mm. many, you know, there's different aspects of our life, right? And I don't think it's ever in balance, There's, no. but it's constantly reassessing and trying to get balance. Right now, today, I'm trying to get yes. balance in exercise. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, I got, so family, you got work, you got, you know, whether you're, whether faith is important to you, um, you know, exercise, whatever, you know, you got these key things that you just want to keep in check. Yes. And that is always a challenge, but I've learned that I, if I can try and do a decent job of keeping those things in check, I am a better person. And how do you, I mean, everyone struggles so with hard. this. How do you like any tips or tricks or yeah. what are kind of your triggers or how do you work on keeping it in, everything in check? <laughs> Being intentional, right? You have to be intentional and sometimes it's scheduling it on mm -hmm. your calendar. Also, I've had to grapple with, I am very much a people oriented person. Uh -huh. And so I, a lot of times put other people's needs, wants, and so forth ahead of my own and to, a, to not a healthy point. Yeah. So I have had to work on myself, like, like it's okay that I myself 
want and I, I have needs. I, I have need wants. Yes. I, you know, I might need alone time. I yes. might need to just, you know, decompress and, and have an hour to myself with yep. nothing. Yep. And, and that's okay. On my couch, and that's okay. <laughs> and I have to tell people that, right. Yep. And being, being okay with that. So not always easy when you, when you, you know, you're trying to meet the needs of your kids, your, right. your family and your husband, your, you know, so on and so forth. When I found it's more telling myself, it's okay for you to go step away yes. for 15 minutes, an hour or whatever it is to, I always say, put on your own air mask first, right? Yes. Like make sure that you're yes. alive and well and breathing and feel good mentally, emotionally, physically yeah. so that you can help others. Yes. That's the only way to do it. Exactly. So, yes. Exactly. But you have to be intentional about it because yeah. it's not just going to happen. It's not just going to happen. By default. No. Everybody else will suck your time. Until yes. Until you done. say no. Yeah, yeah. That's great. You know, this is a super power success podcast. So what would you say is one of your superpowers, which we define as something that really fills you up, gives you energy when you do it and something that others aren't necessarily great at, but you find it very easy and just comes to you very naturally. My superpower. I think of it like a superfood. Yeah. Uh, right. But one is curiosity mm. and the drive and want to learn and improve, whether it's systems or processes, teams, whatever, whatever. Sometimes that comes down to people, but yeah. that's just how I'm wired. Right. But otherwise I'm all about people and people around me, people matter, culture matters, people come first, you know? So that is, I, I'm not a huge person, like I said earlier on I didn't have a goal to be president one day. Mm -hmm. And just because I'm president doesn't mean that um, anybody else within our facility is not just as important as me. Right. And so I want people to know and feel that. And we're all on one team and we're all mm -hmm. trying to, to generate profit. We're trying to increase our business, but we're trying to increase our ESOP share value. Yeah. We're trying to do these great things and we can't accomplish it with one person. We need a team. And so I'm you know, a superpower of team orientation, collaboration, and winning together, and just knowing that people matter. The other thing is, you know, it probably comes more from my HR background too, but we all make mistakes. We all go through hard things in life. And mm -hmm. at Real, we talk about bringing all of who you are to, to work because we all have we have life circumstances that affect our work. And I just think that's so important to have empathy and care and compassion for our people, along with healthy accountability, which yes. is right. You had tried Both to have sides, this great yes. healthy balance, but to know that, that the company you work for deeply cares about you, mm -hmm. we deeply care about your family. We want good things for, and we all go through crap in life. We yeah. all go through crap. We do. And, and how we get through it together is important and how we support one another. Yeah. And it's more than just a job. Yeah. So, so you're already really talking about this, but tell me a little bit more of how, how would you describe the culture? Yeah. At what how, do you have a definition of it or values or how would you describe what the culture is? I think we have a very forgiving culture, which <laughs> I think is a good thing, but we're, we're a, more of a family type environment. If you ask coworkers, you know, even on some of our surveys, you know, how do you describe the culture of Real? Several people would say it's like this small family. It's a culture of having each other's backs and winning together and supporting one another. Yeah. You know, I think a culture of support all together, you know, we try to do all that well, again, with healthy accountability, because we are there to build a product, uh, meet our customers needs, 
grow the business and do all that exceptionally well. So our, our values at Real are to do what's right, do our best, to treat others as you would like to be treated. And the fourth one is seek inspirational wisdom, which is a mm. unique one, which is seeking wisdom outside of yourself. Wow, I love that. So how is that encouraged at Real? Yeah, you know, we are very open to however that looks for you. And we explain to our coworkers how our executive team does inspirational wisdom because this was a kind of a gray area on even some of our engagement surveys is like, I don't really know what this seek inspirational wisdom looks like, what it means. So we've actually tried to train to it. Our executive team meets weekly and we have inspirational wisdom time. It's about 45 minutes and, and every week, every week. And we actually start out with, and so it rotates. So like I will own a month. So once a week, I'll have to prepare something that's inspiring to me oh to share gosh, with the team. I love this. So give me an example. What are some things that you've brought to the team? So, I mean, I could have, I could have had a book that I read that resonated with me. It could have been at a, a TED talk. It could have been something inspirational that I've heard and um, at my church it could, it's, it's whatever is inspiring to you, you can bring to the team. It also has been, we've had humorous things brought. Um, there's times where we just need to laugh a little too and um, have some lighthearted time, but we open it up with anywhere up to seven minutes of complete silence. Wow. Because we say we do not spend enough time just being quiet and whether you're praying, whether you're being reflective and thinking through your day or thinking through whatever, but you're supposed to be quiet for seven minutes. Maybe you're into meditation of yeah. some sort. You can meditate. Um, that is so powerful. Yeah. Because I've heard, I've been telling my clients this all the time is that I read something on a podcast or heard yeah. something on a podcast. And it said that our brains need six minutes to transition from whatever we were in mm. before to what we're doing. Yeah. So the fact that you're taking yeah. seven minutes, how many of us do that? No one meetings or anything. No right? one. We're no. back to back to back to back. Right. <laughs> exactly. You're lucky if you have time to run down the hall to go to the bathroom. Right. So the fact that you do that, that just, I mean, it helps your brain prepare and transition and get ready. Yeah. And very, so we try, we try to explain this to our new hires and everything, like what inspir seeking inspirational wisdom means, right? Real was founded on Judeo-Christian values. So by three men that came from, um, three men that, that worked at uh, 3M, they were all three engineers and they wanted, they were tired of work sucking the life out of them mm -hmm. and not having time for their families, nothing but work. They started Real with these core foundational values that have never changed over 50 wow. years now. I think it's really cool because we have a very diverse workforce at Real and people, they look at our values and they're like, I can sign up for these, whether I'm Muslim, whether I'm Christian, whether right. I'm nothing, you know, treat others as you'd like to be treated, seek inspiration, yep. you know, do our best. It's easy to say, yeah, these are good values that can align with who I am. Yeah. But there's people at work that start out their day. Uh, they might read the Bible. There's people at work that that find places to meditate. Uh, we're, we're very open about whatever that looks like for you. Oh, that is so cool. So, and like you said, very unique. And the very fact that unique. it's been a value for 50 years. Yeah. 
I mean, that stands the test of time. Yeah. And I think it's more applicable today, maybe than it's ever been. Yeah. And just people needing mm-hmm. to take that time to, I mean, think what the world was like 50 years ago versus what it's like today with technology and TV and just like all the different venues or things are coming at you. I think yeah. taking that time and seeking inspirational wisdom is just yeah. super powerful. Yeah. So that is amazing. Yeah. And I had read on the website um, that the, the word real comes from a German word. Yes. And so tell me, I mean, do you know the history of how this word came about? It's kind of crazy, kind of crazy. Um, One of our founders, Lee Johnson and his wife, they were trying to figure out, well, I'm sure they were all trying to figure out, you know, what to name this company that they were about to start. Yeah. And literally the story I heard was Lee was paging through a German dictionary. Um, they have a German, the German background, right. And the, the word real was in there and it meant honest, genuine, trustworthy. And they're like, that's, that's how we want to be represented. We want our customers to know that we're, we're going to be honest with them. We're, Mm -hmm. and that's so true. I mean, all those things we're we're going to tell people what we're really good at and we'll tell them where we, you know, we're not going to oversell or overpromise. We, we we're very honest, genuine, trustworthy. Yeah. And when our customers do business with us, they love our service and what we provide to them. They feel and, it. And they feel it. They know that they can trust what we're saying. So, okay. This is what we do at Keystone, right? Like we're all about connecting your people and your culture, <laughs> what your business is doing. It's like, this is how Real was founded. It was yes. founded based off yeah. of I want to have this type of organization that has this. They probably weren't using the word culture 50 years ago, right? but that's what they were doing is they were developing this from its core. We have a very core purpose of why we exist and why we're going to grow and why we're here. And it's lasted over 50 years. Right. I know. So cool. It is so cool. So we're not going to change. Our foundation is our foundation and it's rock solid and we're not going to change our our direction in terms of our values and uh, super important to us. And when people come to Real, they feel it. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And so as you look forward, I've, you know, we've worked with a lot of companies who their culture has really struggled over the last couple of years for various reasons, right? Everyone goes remote and then it's really hard yeah. to hold a culture. And if your culture was Tell kind of, about it. you know, <laughs> cracking at the surface, you know, before COVID, then during it, like all of these crevices just opened up into canyons and it was just like all of the, the bad kind of bubbles yeah. to the surface. Yep. I think Real started at a much stronger spot than that but what how have you seen culture kind of transition over the last couple of years and where do you see it going in the next few years at your organization organization that this has been a challenge with COVID right so we did um we were an essential worker through COVID um so we had to have our our production was always going um part one of our products went into um the medical respirator market so we we were essential but and our office people we sent home 100 at home we were thankfully well prepared to do that. So it wasn't, that wasn't a hard transition, but I think that first summer of COVID, everybody, you know, just, we, we went on shared the shared work program and there was just not much going on. Right. And there was a beautiful summer. People had a lot of voting time. And anyway, they were working hundred percent from home and people got used to the, the working from home. But, you know, when you're not together, you, yeah. you, it's really hard to collaborate well, yep. hard to, you know, feel a culture and that team orientation. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think I, I can't imagine that over time innovation does not suffer yes. from being 100% remote. 
But anyway, as soon as we were able to bring people back, we're, we're today at, we have a flex of two days a week that people can work from home. So we want people in the office three days a week. It's been a, it's been a challenge. There's certainly positions that could absolutely work hundred percent remote, Yeah. but at Real, we, we also talk about just treatment. We want just treatment for all. And it's already hard when you have some people that their jobs, they cannot work remotely. Right. right? And especially in manufacturing, yep. there's so many of that, of that, right? So half of our workforce has to be there. And the yep. other half, um, it's really hard to, to bring people together. And so anyway, we are at this, this three days in the office. It seems to be working well, but overall, but certainly I know there's, there's certain people and positions that want to be 100% remote. We have to think of the betterment of the whole. And it's also hard onboarding new people when you're not there. And yeah. I'm, many of us including Rayal, we had to onboard some people when we were hundred percent remote and that is ugly. It is so hard. Yeah. And, and talking to those new hires, what they went through, you know, those, the first three months when they're trying to, yeah, yeah, it was not easy for them. Yeah. So it's, um, it's just not ideal, but culture moving forward. Great question. I think Rayal is so strong in our um, foundation and, you know, people, when they work at Rayal, typically the number one reason they work at our company is because of our values mm. and the culture that exists. So I think it's important, very important to, you know, most of the people that work there. Yeah. I don't see that changing. I think our culture will be what it is. The form of what it looks like may change because now we're, we're, we're already a little bit different with a couple of days remote, but I don't think, I don't think we're going to go any more remote than we are today. Yeah. When you have a foundation that's lasted for 50 years, yeah, there's no reason to go and make tweaks and changes, right? Yeah. When it's lasted, the, really the test of time, it's lasted through a global pandemic. Yep. I, I think what yeah. you're saying is just like, keep on holding to, on yeah. to what you know to be true and, and at the foundation. We're experiencing, you know, typically Rail has had very little, little turnover uh, in terms of our people. We've experienced more turnover in, in the last couple of years. A lot of it is in our assembly workforce. I think some things are changing there in terms of priorities and people's lives. And, yeah. and we've certainly seen that through COVID, right? It's much harder to fight. Like, where did all the people go, right? Yep. And priorities in people's lives changed during the pandemic. Uh, work certainly was not as front and center of a priority, I think. Yeah. And that's one reason we aren't finding as many people. Yeah. So that is that is one change that has happened. You know, are we going to continue to experience higher turnover? But Rayal, I mean, we'll probably end the year at about 14%, which is high for us. Yeah. We, we usually average about eight, 9% turnover for wow. the year. So, wow. But, yeah. but I mean, it hasn't, I mean, it's increased, but not crazy, crazy, but yeah. it's almost doubled probably. Yeah. And you're not alone, right? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's experiencing I think everybody that. is experiencing this. Yep. Yeah. At different levels, yeah. especially manufacturing. It's a hard, the hard spot to be in with turnover and yep. finding people. And, it is. Yeah. It really is. How so, many total employees? We are, so we're global. So probably, you know, worldwide, we're probably at about 160 employees or so. Okay. But in the uh, St. Paul, we are, we have about 130 today. Uh, we have people in an, a sales office in Shanghai, China with three um, employees there right now. We're working on 
bringing a China factory, um, Rail China factory to China, our wholly foreign-owned entity. And then we're, we're working on, we're establishing um, Mexico Rail in Mexico now as well. We're hiring our first salesperson in Mexico. And then we have our Netherlands facility, which is full manufacturing. It's, much, it's kind of a mini Rail okay. um, St. Paul in the Netherlands. And we probably have about 35 employees there. So Okay. So yeah. we've talked about a lot about your your growth journey, <laughs> about your desire to, to learn and grow and develop, about leadership, about culture. What would be something that you would want to leave listeners with today? Ah, well, first of all, okay, um, I have thought about that a little bit because I thought, okay, this is odd, right? I came yep. out of HR and I'm, you know, in a president role now and I don't know, within the next couple of years, likely CEO here. I think there's a lot of women that are like, how did you do it? What are your advice for me? Or I, I never had the challenge of like try, trying to break the glass ceiling or anything like yeah. that. That was not like in my, I had a lot of opportunities along the way. I never felt like I was held back because I was a woman, certainly. Right. Um, I know there's people that feel that way. My advice to people out there, women or men, is that if you are not in, first of all, an organization if you don't have alignment with the purpose and values of the organization, go find a place that you align with, first of all. Secondly, if you're working under a leader that is not advocating for your own growth and development, providing opportunities for you, if, if you yes. are, you know, some if you're feeling somewhat stuck, first of all, have a conversation, I guess, with the person you report to. That is why I got to where I am today. I was yeah. given opportunity. I was able to learn along the way, right? I mean, I always took every opportunity given to me as an opportunity to learn. It wasn't a ladder climbing effort for me. It was it was all about learning and okay, if you need me in a different spot, you know, great. And yeah. let's see what we can do. Make sure you're in the right company that that's that you're aligned with, that you want to actually grow and you're proud of uh, within that organization. And then are you under the right leader? Yeah. That's going to make opportunity for you. Well, and, and this is why I wanted to have you on, because I didn't know you were going to say this, but I knew that we're all in alignment of just like our thought process and what matters. <laughs> and, you know, we talk about this concept of, of conscious culture and conscious yeah. leadership, and it's all about just being aware of yeah. how we're thinking, acting and interacting and how is it impacting everyone around right. us. Right. And that's what a good leader should do. And if you're not reporting to a good leader, mm -hmm. there's a conscious leader that's helping you grow and helping you develop. Like right. life's too short. Life's right? too short. Yeah. We want to feel like we're making an impact. We want to have fun while we're doing yeah. this. We want to have an enjoyable, positive exactly. experience in, yeah. in work, and yeah. which is why we see people, a lot of the um, retention, you know, rates are, are, are going down yeah. and turnovers rising and mm -hmm. because people want to work in environments that are, that are yeah. positive and yeah. encouraging and growth focused. And Absolutely. Is your organization, do you even work on succession planning? Right. Are, are, do they even plan for it? I mean, yeah. right. I mean, so some things that I've learned from, from you today um, I just, I love you said the number one reason why employees work for you is because of your values and because of your mm -hmm. culture. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's true. Like we keep telling people this is like, this is yes. reality. Like yes. you are seeing this and this it, culture matters. You have to, to hire to it. You have to figure out how to hire to your culture Yes, and figure out what your culture is. Yes. I mean, every company has a culture. Absolutely. And it, it it's there. It's is there. it what you want it to be? Is it what be? you want it to be? <laughs> right. Exactly. Not, we need to start, exactly. start tweaking and changing some things. And then your focus on growth and curiosity just throughout your whole career. It's what's gotten you to where you're at. Yeah. Right. 20 years at Real. And yeah. you know, how many different positions did you have? Uh, yeah. All because right? of 
curiosity and willing to to learn and to grow. Mm-hmm. And so I think I see this happen a lot in in employee owned organizations where we see a lot of longevity. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. growing into the CEO president role from some entry level position, yep. right? And yep. I think it's just it's a great testament to most most ESOPs are very focused on the people yeah. and the culture. Yeah. And so that's just so cool to. Right. to see your journey and just to hear yeah. about that. And um, <laughs> so, yeah, so thank you so much for coming yeah. on. This has been an awesome conversation. <laughs> I know our listeners will find it very intriguing, um, thought-provoking, motivational, I think, too, uh, to people, well, right? Hopefully. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much. It's yes. really a pleasure to be here. So. All right. Thank yeah. you, everyone, for listening. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure and hit that subscribe button so you get the latest episodes as soon as we release them. And remember to keep maximizing your unique leadership superpowers. It truly is the key to building success, both in your career and in life.